0: It's really rare to have an RD come up here and speak to you in chapel. It's almost like rain in Southern California, but I'm really thankful for this opportunity to get to speak to you. And there's something that I want to talk about as we end or come close to the end of this semester, and the, I want to draw our attention to Psalm 90, Psalm 90. So if you would open your Bibles to Psalm 90, I want to direct our attention there this morning. Psalm 90 reads, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength, eighty, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servant and your glorious power to the children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. 24 times in these 17 verses, there are words and references to time. The theme of Psalm 90 is about time. Psalm 90 is a unique psalm in that it is a psalm written by Moses. And the fact that it's written by Moses makes it one of the oldest psalms, not only one of the oldest psalms, but one of the oldest pieces of written scripture. This, this psalm is entitled, it's, it calls Moses the man of God. And the fact that Moses is considered a man of God is clear by meditating on Psalm 90. It is the man of God who has the right perspective on time. Psalm 90 is Moses' sober recognition of God's grandeur and man's frailty and mortality. This psalm is is a prayer of Moses about time, and the brevity of time. This psalm is a realistic portrayal of life, and that all of life and time is in God's hands. Now to set the context of Psalm 90, we see that this psalm is set in the wilderness wanderings, and it is set in the context of the book of Numbers chapter 20. And if many of you remember, you remember the 10 spies that went into the land of Canaan, And when they came back, they gave a bad report about the land that God had promised to them. They were fearful of the people in the land, and it was that fear of the people that drove out faith, and thus they elected not to enter into the land. And lest any of us think that the book of Numbers has no relevant application on our lives, what we see in these people, the children of Israel, as, as their fear drove out faith, So many of us in this gym this morning deal with debilitating fear that drives out God's word in our own heart and drives out the promises of God that he has for us. And for some of us, the fear that we deal with causes us to live a, live a life where we feel like we are wandering, where we feel like the children of Israel wandering in desert places. And the children of Israel, because of their breach of faith in God's promise, they would be wanderers in desert sands rather than, a, rather than in a promised land. It was that generation that rebelled against the Lord, because of the, and because of the consequences of judgment, they would not be allowed to enter into the land of promise and thus find rest. Those 40 years in the wilderness were an absolute catastrophe. Moses, the man of God, not only experienced death in his own life with the death of his sister Miriam and Aaron, but Moses saw one of the longest and largest funeral possessions in biblical history. This psalm helps us have a realistic approach to life and the brevity of time that we all face. One of the problems is, is by nature, we don't live in light of the brevity of time. So many of us live as if time is for us and not against us. We are all guilty of living life as if we have endless amounts of time. And when you have wasted your time, young people, it is really hard to play catch up. What you do with your time now has implications on your middle years, and your final years. I don't know how many of you have seen the movie Gladiator, but when I watch movies, there there are lines sometimes in movies that really, really captivate me. And sometimes these lines in movies have so much biblical truth in them that I really hold, hold on to them. Now, if many of you remember, if you've seen the movie Gladiator, I've talked to some of the guys in my dorm, and they're like, what is that? During my time, that was a very, very epic movie. And if many of you remember when this, the, the Spaniard Maximus was going down to, at the beginning of the movie, to defeat the Germanic tribes, he, he said this line to his uh, soldiers, which is a very, very riveting line. He says, What we do in life echoes in eternity. That is a very, very true statement. What you do now echoes in eternity. And so if you waste your time, you will waste your life. What you do with your time now really matters. Therefore, we need the Word of God to teach us to number our days in order to get a heart of wisdom. Now, the Bible says a lot about time. The Bible says a lot about time. First, the Bible says that, it talks about the shortness of time. James 4, 4, 13 says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. The Bible also talks about how we should redeem the time that God has given us. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, Ephesians 5.15 says. And if our time is short, and God calls us to redeem the time, scriptures also call us to reverence our time. It says, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, 1 Peter 1:17. So if our time is short, and the scriptures call us to redeem our time, and we are called to reverence our time, you have to understand that your time does not belong to you. Your time is not yours. It is given to you. Romans 14 7 says, none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. But the reality is so many of us waste our time and our days And a proverb that I'm sure many of your moms has quoted to you, how long will you lie there, O sluggard? (laughs) When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Proverbs 6 9. This is such a relevant quote, I want to read it to you. Those who do not know the importance of time waste it, or rather they spend it doing nothing. There's a proverb which says that killing time is not murder, it is suicide. It means by wasting time one is not harming others, but on the other hand one is harming himself. Ordinary people Merely go on thinking how to spend their time, but the wise and talented make use of it fruitfully. Now, in order to live wisely, we must recognize the brevity of time. And there are tr- three truths that I want, I want to give to you from Psalm 90, or three truths that Moses helps us with from Psalm 90. And the first one that I want to address is having the right perspective on time. Having the right perspective on time. And that comes in verses 1 through 6. Now, in order to have the right perspective on time, you must have the right perspective on who God is. Moses helps us with this, because if there was anyone who understood the importance of time and life's uncertainty, It was Moses. Moses saw and knew that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. He knew that a generation comes and that a generation goes. But the one constant in the midst of uncertainty is God. He says in verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, we see that God alone existed. Before there was anything there was God. There has never been a time when God was not. So the text goes in and says from everlasting to everlasting you are God. God is the eternal constant. God remains the one true God. Now why does that why does that even matter in our lives? Like Who really cares about the eternality of God? What relevance does that have on your life and on my life? And the reason why it matters is because you cannot have the right perspective on anything in your life, let alone time, if you do not understand that God is the one true eternal God. So many things in the world and so many things in our own lives change constantly we change in our thinking. Think about it. For many of you, when you first came here, you thought you knew something, and then you took an Abner Chow class. <laughs> or you took a Grant Horner class, and you learned about Milton. Many of us, we've, our attitudes change. Remember when you first came in, you had Wow Week, and, and, and you loved your RD? during the Master Cup, and now at the end of the semester... I'll let you fill in the blank. (laughs) Our relationships change. You think about who you hung out with first semester, who you dated first semester, and look, look at your relationships this semester. Our locations change. So many things in our lives change. And for many of us, there are unforeseeable changes coming to us in the future. And some change that is coming to us will be good change. And for some of us, the change that is coming that we do not know about will be a trial in your life. But the one constant that does not change is God. Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. This truth is so massively important to know and to have as the bedrock of your faith, young people. Many of you, we just sung a song about the throne of grace that we come to in a time of need. And if God was a God who changed and that throne of grace ever so slightly moved, we would all be done for. We would all have no hope if that throne of grace moved, and we couldn't find it in a time of need and in our time of desperate help. So that's why this truth of the eternality of God is so important, because when Moses looks back over the history of the people of Israel, he sees and recognizes God's faithfulness as they wandered in the wilderness, as he delivered them out of Egypt, as he promised to give them a promised land, God, uh, Moses recognized that God was their dwelling place in all generations. He was their constant security. Now when you go through scripture, God uses this language of himself to help us See that who he is, and one of the things that God talks about himself is this God is a rock. He is a strong tower, a dwelling place in all generations. And it is these illustrations of who God is that we can commit our lives to by faith in Christ. When your life is built on something else, and God is not your rock, your dwelling place, then don't be surprised if your life feels feels like it's built on shifting sand. Don't be surprised if everything in your life seems to be a constant inconsistency. When God is not your rock, he is your strong tower. The things that you build your life on, if not now, shortly will become Shakable, But those who know God as their rock, as their dwelling place, as their everlasting truth will say, like the psalmist says, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Psalm 62, 2. So now seeing that verses 1 and 2 talk about the grandeur of God and how God is the eternal consistent God, we have to understand who we are in light of this sovereign eternal God. In verses three through six, Moses helps us understand our own frailty in light of who God is. And the text says that man is dust in comparison to God. Moses goes back to Genesis 2-7, and he recognizes that God created man out out of dust and breathed life into him. It is God who governs man's length of days when he says, return, O children of man. It is God who has preordained and determined our length of days. But in light of who God is, A thousand years is but like a day, like a watch in the night. But who we are before God, we are a vapor, we are a mist. Our lives are fleeting. Now Moses even gives us some illustrations here to understand our own frailty before God in verses 5 through 6. He gives us three illustrations of what life is man in his frailty and the first one that he says this is like a flood now if you were here over this winter you guys know about flood at the master's college there are no more trees on north campus they have all been uprooted by the flood and if any of you remember the cars that went down the wash or down Willy Wonka's Chocolate River, it seemed like. <laughs> this, was a, this was an epic year in California, seeing how much rain we got, and we saw how houses were lifted up off their foundations, and how much chaos the flooding uh, caused on campus. And that's what Moses is saying. He's saying man before God, our lives are like a flood. At one point, we, we seem to be grounded and have some kind of foundation, And then like a flood, we just lift it up, and then we're just moved slowly, like cars down the wash on North Campus. Moses says, man's life is like a dream. Like a dream that is so vivid that it captivates you, and and as soon as you go to remember it, it is gone. It's kind of like the sermons you listen to in chapel." You know, you know this guy who goes to chapel, and he finds you in the calf. And he's like, hey, did you, go to, did you go to chapel? No. And he says, man, chapel was awesome. It was so good, man. That speaker was on point, man. It was so, so amazing. Oh, really? Well, what did he talk about? Ooh. <laughs> um... That's a good question. But it was good. If you go back and listen to it, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's like a dream, like a man who looks looks at himself intently in a mirror, and then once he walks away, he soon forgets who he is. Moses says, man's life is like grass. It's pretty one moment, luscious, and then as you see we're not getting enough rain everything is starting to go dry and things are starting to fade away This point kind of reminded me of an ESPN 30 for 30 special Marcus Dupree You see on these on these ESPN 30 for 30 specials they they're amazing These athletes who start off with this promising life they're green they just seem like X-men, the abilities that they're able to do in their sport. But then as you start to get to the end of these documentaries on these people's lives, you see that they start to fade away. They lose their strength. And then they're left just living with no identity. So man's life is like a flood. It's like a dream. It's like grass. And if this is true that the Scripture says of man— It is foolish to try to trust, put your trust in yourself and not in God. It's foolish. And if our lives are this transitory, what are you doing with the time God has given you right here and right now? You don't have time to play with God. You don't have time to play with God. You don't have time to come here to the master's college and play Christianity. And as an RD who lives with many of you, so many of us play with God. We play Christianity. We just play and toy with the things that have internal implications. Don't presume that you can live your life for God on your own time. Romans 2.4 says do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. Do you get that? God's kindness is giving you time. How much time? I don't know, and neither do you. So what is the right perspective that we are to have in time in relationship to God and our frailty? The right perspective is to know God and to love God and to walk in joyful obedience. That is not a wasted life, but that is a Godward life. That's what it means to have the right perspective on time. Secondly, Moses helps us understand in verses 7 through 12 the real problem with time. There is a real problem with time. And our greatest problem is not just that we are frail, but being sinners is the cause for our mortality. Moses not only recognizes the shortness of man's life before God, but he understands that God judges sin. It is sin in our lives that is the cause of our our mortality, and in that, time ushers each and every one of us to the throne of God. Verse 7 talks about, the people of Israel saw the consequences of God's wrath against them. And that whole generation died in the wilderness. And the death of so many people in the wilderness, as the text says, it left the people of Israel dismayed. They were at a loss for seeing how God judged sin. And so Moses explains in verse 8, that all of the people's unbelief, their murmuring, their disobedience, their rebellion, private and public, was all set before the face of God. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. As the proverb says, for a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. Therefore, God does not sweep sin under the rug of the universe. God deals with man's sin. And the people of Israel in the wilderness felt the consequences of their sin and saw how God dealt with them in the wilderness. You know, life starts out with the bang, but then as this text is showing us, as our days and our years pass away, we are confronted with the toil and the trouble of life, And then at our later days, we see our weakness and our weariness. And at best, the length of your life may be 70 years or 80 years with good health and exercise and maybe some kabocha juice. (laughs) And so what we learn from this this section of Psalm ninety is that in verse 7, God is holy and wrathful towards sin. And in verse 8, we see our sin is ever before the Lord. And then in verse 9, we see our days come to an end with weakness and weariness. And in verse 10, life is brief, even with good health. And the point that I want to make, and the point that this passage makes, is who would not fear God? God who would not fear god in light of this truth of who god is and who and how god reacts to sin for many of us we need to let the teaching of scripture of the awesome power of god and his wrath sink deeply into our hearts and our minds we are so quick to solve the problem of how fearful God is with the gospel, that we don't let people realize how sinful they really are or how fearful God is. And what is the consequence of this when we just fix everything so quickly like that? The consequence is that when we approach the majesty, and the holiness and the power and the wrath of God, we approach it in a flippant, cavalier way. And for many of us, there is no Isaiah 66:2 where we tremble before his word. And so there's a misunderstanding about the fear of God. Now, there are so many books. On the subject of fearing God. There are sermons for days on the fear of God, and you can find all kinds of stuff in the library on the fear of God. And in some ways, I've even exhausted myself to try to find something that just helped me simplify and understand what it means to fear God. But I was greatly helped in the most unlikely place. The most unlikely place really helped me understand what it means to fear God. And it's from a beaver. It's from Mr. Beaver in Narnia. What he says here is absolutely awesome. And I mean that. Mr. Beaver says of of Aslan the lion, he says... And think about this when you think about the fear of God. He says, Aslan isn't safe, but he's good. That is such a good description of the fear of God. And God is terrible to sinners, God is a consuming fire to sinners who are outside of Christ. But those who are in Christ, there is no condemnation. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Those of us who are in Christ are sinners in the hands of a good God. Mr. Beaver continues with this illustration. I just don't want to end there. When he talks about Aslan, he talks about when Aslan comes, he says, wrong will be made right when Aslan comes in sight, at the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Such a good illustration of understanding the fear of the Lord. And what does the fear of the Lord lead us to? It leads us to the main verse in this psalm, in which is verse 12, to teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. That's why the fear of the Lord is so important in your life. The fear of the Lord helps you know how to have the right perspective on time, understanding the real problem with time, and it will help you to number your days with wisdom. Now, seeing those two truths, Moses comes to a third and final understanding of time. And so, and having seen the right perspective on time and the real problem with time, Moses makes a request of time. There's only one request of time, and that comes in verses 13 through 17. After seeing, the length of man's days in comparison to God's internality and God's judgment on sin, which brings shortness of days, Moses is requesting that God would grace his people and that he would have compassion on them. He says, return, O Lord, how long? Moses is recognizing that for a long time the people of God have been under God's discipline and haven't been under God's blessing. And Moses is asking, How much longer, Lord? How much longer will we see sorrow and heartache and, and be without your blessing? Moses is requesting that God's grace would be upon them so that they would have different days. And this is so important for us because we cannot transform our lives and our own efforts. Some of us have habits so ingrained in us that it seems like we will never, ever change. And that's why we need God's help, not only to change, but to help us make the most of the time that God has given us. Moses is requesting a new day of grace in verse 13. But Moses just doesn't end there about asking for grace— He's also asking in verses 14 and 15, he wants to be satisfied. He says, satisfy us. Moses is saying that he wants his commitment to be to the Lord. He wants his days to begin with the Lord, being satisfied with who God is first and foremost. And young people, if you are not satisfied with God first and foremost, you will use people. And use things until you get your satisfaction. Moses wants different days. He wants days that are filled with joy and gladness, not because of our own efforts, but because he is satisfied with God first and foremost. And when you are satisfied with who God is in Christ, you will use your time wisely you will live wisely because your day will begin with acknowledging God first and foremost. So Moses is requesting that he would grace us and satisfy us. And thirdly, in verse 16, he is asking that we would be, that God would enlighten us. Moses wants their deeds to be restored, the deeds of God to be restored in their lives. Moses is asking, Lord, Would you display your glorious splendor in and through our lives? And for so many of us, we do so many good and right and great things, but we want to see the work of God in our lives. There is no greater confidence in the life of a believer than when we see God working in our lives. We want a great God to do great things in our lives. And something that can be just so discouraging is when you're using your time and you're working hard at something and it almost feels like God is not in the work, that can be terribly discouraging. So plan your days. Do what you need to do. As the, as the proverb said, man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his, his steps. So plan and do, but always ask that the Lord be working. In your efforts. So that would give us great confidence and great assurance that we are not wasting our time and we are not wasting our lives. Finally, Moses in verse 17 is asking that the Lord would establish us, that he would establish the people of Israel. And it is in this verse that we come to the grand conclusion of Psalm 90. Moses recognizes that life is momentary, and all of man's efforts are futile without God's blessing on us. We want to be wise with our time, and we want to live in light of God and eternity, but what gives us great assurance is when the favor of the Lord is upon us when we do what we do. And many of you are planning things, you're using your time, you're working hard, but the one thing I think we always forget to ask is that we we forget to ask the Lord to establish the work that He is doing in our lives. How many of you honestly have asked the Lord to establish the work of your hands? Asking the Lord that he would affirm the work and affirm your time and affirm the things that you're doing. This is so helpful for us. And this is what Moses helps us with. with. Those who recognize the brevity of time ask that the Lord would establish the work of their own hands so that God would be honored and that we would get a heart of wisdom, and so as we come to the close of a of a year, I pray that, that that you would consider Psalm ninety, that you would consider God in light of your own frailty and mortality, that you would understand the reality of sin and God's reaction towards sin, and that as you move forward in the coming days. You would ask the Lord to grace you, to satisfy you in himself, and that he would establish the work of your hands. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful that you are a rock, you are a strong tower, and you have been our dwelling place in all times. Father, apart from you, we can do nothing And apart from you, our time and our lives are wasted. So, Father, we ask that you would be the Lord of our time, that you would be gracious to us, and that you would give us days moving forward of resolve for your purposes and for your glory. In Jesus' name.